Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. Thank you, Adrian. And could I just also, um, from the very outset, just uh, thank Tom and Leslie and the the convention committee uh, just for the opportunity of coming along tonight and to be a part of the Bangor Worldwide. Um, As Adrian has already mentioned, you know, I've been memorising that opening line all day and he has just stole my thunder. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Doesn't pay to memorise, sure it doesn't. But um, yes, it's a special year uh, for the church that um, the current pastor of and have been for the past eight years, uh, the Welcome Evangelical Church. For those who uh, remember it beyond uh, 1965, we'll know it affectionately as the Welcome Hall. And uh, when we think of 125 years of history, uh, the work began back in the 2nd of January 1889, founded uh, by the world-renowned missionary uh, Amy Carmichael, who was born in Malay just a few miles uh, from here. And really she started the work as an outreach to the mill girls of Belfast uh, at, at that particular time, uh, it was part of the Industrial Revolution, and um, a lot of uh, mills were in Belfast. A lot of young women, young men, uh, went along to work there in the mills. Uh, they worked long hours for very little pay. And Amy had a real heart to reach, uh, particularly the girls, and she started a work uh, among the girls that really outgrew itself. And so she came to the point where she needed a place. Uh, for their own, where they could meet in uh, and where they could worship. But also, uh, Amy, Amy's heart was for the whole person. She cared for the whole person uh, because also she taught those girls how to read and write. She learned them how to sew, uh, learned them how to play musical instruments, uh, taught them social skills, uh, as well as having the gospel meetings, the prayer meetings. And uh, that's how the welcome work began and has continued uh, right through the 125 years of history. Even after Amy left uh, these shores and went on her missionary journeys, the work uh, has continued. And it's been a real thrill for me, particularly over the weekend, um, speaking yesterday in Malay and Bally Copeland Presbyterian Church in the morning and also in Bethany Baptist Church last night, um, just tie up was uh, confirmed to me the, the work that has continued and the people that have been saved uh, through the work of the welcome over the years. I had a lady uh, who greeted me at the door on the way out last night and she said to me, I was saved in the welcome when I was seven years of age. And then another lady came up uh, with quite a, a, a detailed note, a little letter that she had written and it was about a loved one who was converted when he was 15 years of age He emigrated to Queensland and Australia and became a chaplain with the Baptist churches there in Queensland. Talk about your branches running over the wall. It was fantastic even last night hearing those stories. It's a real story of faith. And could I just mention that um, Victor Maxwell has written a book um, really to commemorate the 125 years anniversary, uh, Amy's Ten Tabernacle. Is, is the book uh, telling the story of the welcome, the whole history. 
And uh, if you would like a copy, uh, they're available there at the bookstall, and they're £6.99. So really we've reduced them by a pound tonight, so you're getting a bargain. Um, so if anybody would like a copy, please go to the bookstall on the way out and, and get a copy, and you'll be able to read more of what has happened there uh, over the years in the welcome. So it's been great. Um, it's great to be here tonight, being a part um, of the anniversary year, the 125 years. It's been a real privilege for me over the years to study the life of Amy Carmichael and be inspired uh, through the life of Amy. And having studied her life, I believe that there are three turning points or three uh, major uh, turning points in Amy's life. The first turning point came when Amy was six years of age. A young girl who had just came to the knowledge of she had learned how God answers prayer. I'm sure many of the folks here, you've learned the story in in a CEF camp or uh, in some of the the Bible classes. Here was a six-year-old girl. She was born with brown eyes, but her favorite color was blue. And she had heard about this God who answers prayer. And so she decided to put prayer to the test. One evening before she went to bed, she prayed, Lord, if you're the God who answers prayer, please let me wake up in the morning and the color of my eyes will be changed from brown to blue. And, uh, well, she woke up the next day. Was she disappointed? Yes, she was. But there's a valuable lesson. And the lesson that I've had the privilege of bringing into some of the primary schools of our local area, teaching the story of Amy Carmichael, And the valuable lesson through this story, through this first uh, major turning point in Amy's life, is that God doesn't make mistakes. And to this congregation even here tonight, it's not a mistake that you're here tonight listening on um, to what is being said. Amy, when she was six years of age, learned that valuable lesson. She may have been disappointed at the time, but later on, maybe 30 years later, when Amy was in India as a missionary, how she needed those brown eyes. You see, our God is Alpha and Omega. He knows the beginning from the end, doesn't he? And here she is as a missionary all these years later, and she hears about the awful practice that's happening there among the children, the temple children. She hears the story, what was happening within those Hindu temples. She heard about the Devadasi temple girls. She had heard about these little children as young as six and seven years of age who were sold to the temple and who were married to the gods, who were introduced to a life of child prostitution. Really, if we wanted to use a modern term, it was modern-day sex trafficking in the name of religion. Amy heard all about this. One little girl called Prina escaped told her all about this, came to Amy. What did Amy do? She had to put this into practice. Did she believe the word of a seven-year-old? Or did she need to go and see it firsthand exactly what was happening there inside those temples? And so she put on a disguise. She wore Indian ladies' dress. She covered her arms, her face with coffee stain. And that disguise, complemented with the brown eyes, helped her to get inside those temples and see it firsthand exactly what was happening inside there. Amy then 
started to write about it, made it public, what was going on, and also sought to rescue those children one by one. So folks, tonight there's a valid lesson there that God doesn't make mistakes. Didn't make a mistake when he didn't change the color of her eyes. And as I said at the beginning, it's no mistake that you are here tonight. Maybe God is speaking to you. Maybe God is challenging you regarding the call to mission. It's no, it's no, um, it's a, there's, a, there's a plan, there's a purpose while you're here tonight. So that was the first lesson as a six-year-old girl that Amy learned. She learned how God answers prayer, that he doesn't make mistakes. The second turning point in Amy's life came when she was 18 years of age. And the family had moved from Malaya up to Belfast. Her father had died. And along with her mum and brothers and sisters, they were returning from church, Rosemary Street Presbyterian Church. They were coming home uh, after the morning service. And I'm sure as they, the crowds were uh, heading along, walking along the road, um, Amy spies this old lady who was carrying a heavy bundle, who was weighed down, who by her appearance she was dirty, she was filthy, and nobody was stopping to help this lady. Everyone was walking past. But Amy took the time to stop along with her brothers and they helped the lady. Many walked on by, actually frowned as Amy walked by and helped this lady along with her brothers. But a short distance later, she was coming along towards where um, BBC is there, where uh, the place is where uh, the BBC Broadcasting House was what I was looking for. Uh, there on Ormo Avenue. And there's a water fountain there. And Amy was walking past that water fountain, and she heard an audible call, an audible voice speaking to her, containing a, a scriptural reference. Gold, silver, wood, hay, stubble. Everyone's work will be declared by fire. What kind of work it's going to be. God spoke to Amy clearly that day. And she went home, we're told, and she settled once and for all what she wanted to do with her life. And that was to minister to the poor and to help people. That was the second key stage in her life. Then the third key stage came the missionary call. Amy had left these shores. She had moved to England. And during a, a process of events, she um, was staying with a family friend, helping to look after a family friend. His name was Robert Wilson. His wife had passed away. His daughter had passed away. And Amy was lodging there, taking care of him. Robert was one of the... Um, Founders, original founders of the Keswick Convention and was a family friend of the Carmichael's. And while Amy was there lodging uh, with, with Robert and his sons at their home, Amy received the missionary call. And it just contained two words. It came as she was reading the Bible and she read the words, Go ye. It was as clear as that. She was involved with the Keswick Convention. She had acted as a secretary for a short time in the convention. She had heard some of the great missionaries. She had listened to Hudson Taylor and others. She was inspired through their stories. She was really interested in missionary work. But then came her own personal call 
go ye. The theme tonight is going. And as we turn in our Bibles tonight to Matthew chapter 28, and we look at verses 19 and verse 20, we're reminded tonight of the words of the Lord Jesus. He said these words, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and though I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The great commission that the Lord issued here was, Go therefore. Go. The word that Amy heard was, Go you, or Go ye. Folks, I have learned over the years in Christian work that God doesn't call spectators, but participators in the race of faith. I'm told that there's three types of people uh, in this earth, and maybe we're here tonight. First of all, there's the person who doesn't know what's happening. Doesn't know what's happening. We live with blinkers. We We aren't aware, we're not conscious, we don't know what's going on around us. We don't know what's happening. Then there are those who watch what's happening. They'll stand on the sideline and they'll look on and they'll watch what's happening around them. But then there's the third person. There are those who make things happen. I wonder what category each one of us fall under tonight? Are we the kind of person who we don't know what's happening? Are we watching what's happening? Or are we the person who makes things happen? Amy Carmichael was a person who made things happen. She could have just sat back and done nothing regarding hearing the stories of the children in that temple, but she risked her own life to go in there, and also many, many other occasions to try and rescue those children from temple prostitution. She could have just given up when the shawlies, the, the, the mill workers, outgrew themselves in Belfast and let them scatter. But, but, but she had such a big heart that no, she wanted to find a place where they could come, where they could congregate, where they could worship, and where they could meet. Amy Carmichael was a person who made things happen. And I would encourage you tonight, maybe you're thinking uh, about the mission field, maybe God has spoken to you about service. It could be local service within your own church. It could be further afield. It could be international. It could be globally. God is speaking. God is calling you. But you're being reluctant to go. I would encourage you tonight to be that person that would make things happen. In the light of the words of Matthew chapter 28, let me ask the question, where are we spiritually in the light of the Great Commission? Where are we tonight in this Great Commission? What role are we playing? What part are we playing? Just before I close tonight, 
I would just like to just leave a few headings with you that maybe that might well encourage you. First of all, when the Lord gave this great commission, he assured his audience or his listeners, his disciples, he assured them of his power. Because he said to them, all authority, all power has been given to me in heaven and on earth. He assures them of his power. Secondly, he gave them a commission to go, not to be a spectator, not to be someone who stands on the sidelines, but he says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. He gave them a commission. And then thirdly, he promised them a presence. What did he say to them? Teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And though I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Whatever service that you step out, maybe you're being reluctant tonight. We have the promise tonight as we step out in faith. We have the promise of the Lord's presence with us. He will never leave us, nor will he forsake us. Whether it's ministering, partaking in a a task locally in our church or local churches, or whether it's those that are going to step out tonight and answer the missionary call, we have the promise of his presence with us. So where are we tonight in the light of the Great Commission? Where are we? Are we faith-walking? Are we God-honoring biblical people? One of my favorite authors is a man called Warren Wearsby. Maybe some of the folks here have read his commentaries. I thoroughly enjoy them. And this is what he said, and I find this interesting. He said, in many respects, regarding the Great Commission, for most churches and in most churches, the congregation pays the pastor to preach, to win the lost, and to build up the saved. Why the church members function as cheerleaders or spectators. The converts are one, baptized, given the right hand of fellowship. Then they join the other spectators. How much faster our churches would grow? How much stronger and happier our church members would be if each one, each one, was not only reaching one, but also discipling another believer. Something to think about, folks. As we have thought about Amy, we look at our own lives tonight and we ask, where are we in the light of the Great Commission? Our God has a plan for each one. Again, I just mentioned that it's no mistake that you're here. And if God has spoken to you, I would say to you, don't be reluctant. Answer the call. Go forth in his name. Go forward in God, and God will bless you, and God will honor you. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we just ask for these few thoughts. As we have looked at the life of Amy, and we thank you through for what you have done through one life that was 
willing to yield herself to your work and to your service. Through one example that has inspired us, whether it's through her books, through her writings, or just through the example that she has led for each one of us. Lord, I pray that you'll bless every head that is bowed. I pray that you'll encourage every heart. Help us to answer the call, not to be spectators, but to be participators in the race of faith. And we ask this, giving you thanks. Help each one, Lord, to go. May we answer the call in Jesus' name. Amen. Right now I would like to invite Edda Holiday just to come forward and to speak on Amy's vision. The tom-toms thumped straight on all night and the darkness shuddered round me like a living, feeling thing. I could not go to sleep. So I lay awake and looked and I saw as it seemed this. I stood on a grassy sward and at my feet a precipice broke, sheer down into infinite space. I looked but saw no bottom, only cloud shapes, black and furiously coiled and great shadow shrouded hollows and unfathomable depths. I drew back, dizzy at the depth. Then I saw forms of people moving, single file along the grass. They were making their way for the edge. There was a woman with a baby in her arms and another little child holding on to her dress. She was on the very verge. Then I saw that she was blind. She lifted her foot for the next step. It trod air. She was over and the children with her. And oh, the cry as they went over. Then I saw more streams of people flowing from all quarters. All were blind, stone blind. All made straight for the edge of the precipice. Then I saw, they heard shrieks and, and they, they suddenly knew themselves falling and tossing up of helpless arms and catching, clutching at empty air. Some went over quietly and fell without a sound. And then I wondered with a wonder that was simply agony why no one stopped them at the edge. I was glued to the ground. I could only call, though I strained and tried. Only whispers would come. Then, then I saw that along that edge there were sentries set at intervals, but the intervals were too great. There were wide, unguarded gaps between. And over these gaps the people fell in their blindness, quite unwarned, and the green grass seemed blood-red to me, and the gulf yawned like the mouth of hell. Then I saw like a little picture of peace, a group of people under some trees with their, their backs turned towards the gulf. They were making daisy chains. Sometimes when a piercing shriek cut the quiet air and reached them, it disturbed them and they thought it rather a vulgar noise. And if one of their numbers started up and wanted to go and do something to help, then the others would pull that one down. 
Why should you get so excited about it, they said. You must wait for a definite call to go. You haven't finished your daisy chain yet. It would be really selfish to leave us to finish the work alone. There was another group. It was made up of people whose great desire was to get more sentries out, but they find that very few wanted to go. And sometimes there were no sentries for miles and miles of that edge. Once a girl stood alone in her place, waving the people back, but her mother and other relations called and reminded her that her furlough was due. She must not break the rules. And being tired and needing a change, she had to go and rest for a while, but no one was sent to go and guard her gap. And over and over the people fell, like a waterfall of souls. Once a child caught at a tuft of grass that grew at the very brink of the gulf and it clung convulsively and it called but nobody seemed to hear. Then the roots of the grass gave way and with a cry the child went over, its two little hands still holding tight to the torn off bunch of grass. And the girl who longed to be back in her gap Though she heard the little one cry, she, she sprang up and she wanted to go, at which they reproved her, reminding her that no one is necessary anywhere. The gap would be well taken care of. They knew. And then they sang a hymn. Then through the hymn came another sound, like the pain of a million broken hearts wrung out in one full drop, one sob and a great horror of darkness was upon me, for I knew what it was, the cry of the blood. Then thundered a voice, the voice of the Lord, and he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. The tom-tom still beat heavily. The darkness still shuddered and shivered around me and I heard the yell of the devil dancers and the weird wild shriek of the devil possessed just outside the gate what does it matter after all it's gone on for years it will go on for years why make such a fuss about it God forgive us God arouse us shame us out of our callousness shame us out of our sin. Thank you, Jonathan, and, and thank you, Etta, for sharing uh, that wonderful and powerful and evocative uh, reading. We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org slash donate.